What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here for part two of our Big Ten roster extravaganza, we'll call it. Uh, there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten, and it, you know what? It's only going to get worse <laughs> when we get when we get at USC and UCLA as part of the uh, part of the Big Ten next season. So we still have one more season with just fourteen teams, and then it'll certainly be sixteen. And um, anyway, these these series will take a little bit longer. But uh, we had a lot of great discussion, and so we wanted to make sure we kept everything in there for you guys. Uh, this is all part of our summer, we'll call it summer, late spring, summer, although I look outside and it doesn't seem like summer or even anywhere close, but I imagine that'll turn in a little bit. Uh, so our summer coverage for Michigan State basketball, again, anything breaking, we'll try and get to you as soon as possible. If we have recruiting news, we suspect there'll be something in the next couple of days and Michigan State recruitment. And then also we're going to get some good interviews with the coaches and other people. So uh, this is part two of our show. All right. So let's talk about Michigan. Everyone's uh, least favorite team. Uh, I guess I've, you know, in some ways I look at their team, I think, oh, they're going to have, it's going to be a huge turnover. But in some ways their team is not that different, right? You have returning, you have Jalen Llewellyn, who was out with the ACL injury early in the season. He returns. Uh, Terrace Reed, Doug McDaniel, Terrence Williams, Will Shutter, Jace Howard, Yusef Kayat, and Greg Glenn, or Greg Glenn, sorry, uh, Departures, Jet Howard going to the NBA, Kobe Bufkin going to the NBA, Isaiah Barnes and Hunter Dickinson just floating around in the transfer portal. He'll end up somewhere. And, but... and Joey, ba- Joey Baker's gone Correct. too. Yeah. They didn't have Joey ba- that You're right. List, Joey but... Baker as well is gone. Uh, who knows where Dickinson lands? I think it's highly unlikely he'll be at Michigan. It's the sound of it. Additions for Michigan, Caleb Love coming from North Carolina, Trey Jackson from Seton Hall, Namari Burnett from Alabama, George Washington third, and Papa Conte uh, as high school freshmen coming in, they pretty much have a full roster in some ways. And so it's kind of hard to imagine they're going to add a whole lot more. Well, yeah, but it's, it isn't necessarily done. <laughs> There's still a lot, a lot in flux. Right. And so, so this goes to the point where really things as they seem now are not the same, right? Cause last year they brought in Llewellyn and then the next day, you know, Collins takes off for Arizona state. Right. So also right. the dominoes can, right. Occur. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of uncertainty here, but let's, let's start with um, Dickinson. So as we mentioned, Dickinson hit the portal. We talked about Maryland. He just took an official there. He took one to Georgetown. Apparently he just did a zoom with Syracuse, but we know Syracuse doesn't have NIL money. So I I don't know where that's going to go. He also did an NIL or an NIL. He did a zoom with Kentucky, I, I don't think that's going to happen. That just doesn't make any sense for Kentucky. 
might make sense for him <laughs> in terms of NIL money, but I just don't see Kentucky adding him. But the the 800-pound gorilla in this, in my view, is Kansas. And he's supposed to be taking an official to Kansas oh later this week, if I recall correctly. And if I were betting, I'd bet on him ending up at Kansas uh, for two reasons. One, I think Bill Self, despite the fact that Kansas had a really good season last year, they had to do it unconventionally by his standards. He's normally got size. You know, Bill Self typically has bigs, like real legit bigs. And he didn't have that this year. He had to go with kind of a weird lineup where their center was like six, seven. And I would suspect he probably didn't like that. He didn't like not having that low post option that he could feed the ball into on the blocks. Um, Didn't like not having that physical presence inside. So that's one reason. The second reason is if you're talking about maxing out NIL, which everything I hear about Hunter Dickinson is that's what he wants to do. Um, there are a few places in the country where you would have an expectation um, of greater opportunities in that regard than the ones that you would be provided with uh, by Kansas. And so it just makes too much sense to me. Now you can't rule out that he would come back to Michigan. There are some who have speculated that this entire thing is nothing more than a bluff to get his NIL money increased at Michigan and, or to get Juwan Howard to improve the talent around him. Because supposedly the other end of this is he looked at what Michigan was going to have with, um, with Howard and with Buffkin gone and said, I can't win here with this. Um, I don't know that I believe all of that. I, I do know this. If they get him, if they get him to come back and they get Caleb love to actually show up, which I'm going to get to in a second and he plays for them, I will be delighted. <laughs> that will be the most fun to watch. It's I've used this line a few times. It's as if Jawan Howard is looking at say, well, you know how last year we had a, a gunner with no conscience, his son and another guy who played as if he really didn't care for the first half of the season and forces us to play in, in one way because he has no versatility, especially defensively. What if we just did the same thing, but more of it, <laughs> how would that work? Cause that's what I see. Caleb love. I mean, I I've, I've seen Caleb love play for a long time. I saw him play when he was uh, in high school and played AAU, I watched him play against uh, uh, the family once when he was playing for Brad Beal elite. And he was, I understood why people thought he was a one and done because he's an immensely impressive guy physically for his position. He's about six, three, he's physically strong and he is very athletic. I'd say he's maybe just, He's in the same general ballpark, in my opinion, as somebody like Aikens, maybe slightly less, but very close, just explosive, you know, but the problem is over three years at North Carolina, I think it's been definitively proven. He is not a point guard in terms of instinct or temperament. He's a gunner. He's a guy who wants to shoot and he needs the ball in his hands a lot. And he also brings you the added bonus 
of, from what I understand, <laughs> of ripping apart that team's chemistry because he was having uh, a relationship with a teammate's girlfriend last year. So that's what you're welcoming in Ann Arbor. Now, all that presupposes that he actually ends up at Michigan. My understanding is that is not a done deal. And it's not a done deal because Michigan purports to have problems accepting transfer credits. They don't have problems with graduate transfers. So that's why, you know, if you look at most of the guys they brought in in the portal era, they've been grad transfers. That's what Mike Smith was. That's what Chandy Brown was. Um, that's what uh, Llewellyn the, was, right? The yeah. kid, um, Llewellyn was, and I'm forgetting the kid the year before that, the point guard who wasn't really a point guard. Yeah. Um, and and in this year's class, supposedly Namari Burnett fits that category. Trey Jackson fits that category. So those guys aren't problems, but Caleb Love does not fit that. So I have I have heard that there are questions as to whether they'll actually get him in the door. If they don't. Well, it's, you know, they're kind of in a damned if you do damned if you don't, because they lost so much scoring from that backcourt with Bufkin and, um, and Howard gone that you've got to, you had to add somebody who could put the ball in the basket. You know, I, I happen to think that Burnett is a good addition, but he's not proven to be any kind of real scoring threat in, in, uh, in college. Mm-hmm. He's a very good defender. He's a good role player, but he's not a guy who's likely to go out and get you even 15 a night. Love can do that. The question is the efficiency. I mean, we're talking about a sub 30% three point shooter who takes like five and change attempts per game. <laughs> I mean, it's awful. It's awful. So I, but they had, to, they had to add somebody who could go get him a basket. And one thing Caleb Love can do is he can go on hot streaks. He can get his own shot. He can create opportunities for himself, but his efficiency is just horrendous. So it seems to me that the betting is on Michigan staff's part is they can get him to play more efficiently. Uh, I am a skeptic (laughs) on that front color me extremely skeptical and if they if they do get him and they bring dickinson back i mean i generally watch their games anyway but i will be glued to the screen watching those games because (laughs) i cannot imagine a scenario where that doesn't end in complete and total implosion i just can't see it i mean maybe they surprise me make me eat my words i don't think so i think that's a bad combination now if Hunter Dickinson does, as I expect, end up at Kansas, um, what do they have? Well, right now they've got Terrace Reed, who I think is going to be a pretty damn good player. And if I were a Michigan fan, I would be kind of excited actually about the start of the Terrace Reed era because I think him playing major minutes at the five makes them better defensively at that position right away. I think he can be just as good a rebounder as Dickinson was. Offensively, he's not the player Dickinson is, at least not yet. Um, but I, I am actually pretty bullish on his future. I think he showed a ton in limited opportunities, a ton of potential at least. Um, and so you start with him. Uh, you do have, at least for now, you have Terrence Williams back, who's certainly far from a great player, but 
He's proven to be capable of being a rotation guy as an undersized four. You have Shetter, who I was not impressed with. <laughs> He's about um, <laughs> but then you had then you had Trey Jackson, who is an efficient player. He just doesn't do much in volume. He's He's bounced around. He was at Missouri, and then he was at Seton Hall for the last couple of years. Um, this past year, Seton Hall used him primarily as a backup five. And my sense is that's not really where he belongs. He's more of a four man, but he's a guy who's been a high thirties, three point shooter at six ten, So he can give you some stretch elements at that position yet. He's big enough that he can probably help you on the boards. I, I wonder about him defensively, especially, uh, if he's got a guard, smaller attack minded fours, that might be an issue, but a, a good piece to add. The other interesting thing here, which which hasn't yet resolved, despite assurances from many people that it would have already, is they were in the mix for a kid named uh, Olivier Camua. And Olivier Camua, if you recognize that name, was a starter at Tennessee last year. He's 6'9", about 240. Um, not massive stats but solid stats, you know, solid three point shooting, you know, kind of a mid midish thirties guy, a good size. He's a good athlete. The thing that pops in most people's minds is he had a massive game in Tennessee's win over Duke in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. I think he had 27 or 28 points. Yeah. That game was an outlier. I believe he averaged like 10 a game. His production was pretty similar to like Malik Hall's production this year. So that gives you a sense of what he was over the course of the season, but, but he can defend. I mean, he could do a lot of things that it's not a guy that I would expect would come in and be an all big 10 player, but he would be a very savvy kind of addition. Now the word late last week was that it was pretty much a done deal, but he hasn't committed yet. So I don't know what's going on. I haven't heard about him taking any other visits, but who the hell knows? Uh, he was a very hot commodity when he hit the portal. So that would be a very good and a very smart addition for them. If they made it, it would instantly make that, that post group pretty damn solid. In my view, the backcourt, you know, <laughs> Doug McDaniel showed a lot of potential at the point. Yep. I agree. But, but not a finished product. You don't know yet how many, how much he'll, he'll make in the way of strides. And then Caleb Love, we, we've talked about. George Washington III is um, a, a decent recruit, maybe a little better athlete than I thought he was, but I, I don't know that you're expecting massive immediate impact out of him. And then it's just, then you're talking about guys like Jace Howard, <laughs> Kayat, who didn't play much last year, Glenn, who played even less. Um, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, and Papa Conte, by the way, their big man incoming freshman, there's been rampant rumors for weeks that he's actually not going to qualify academically. So that was, this is all to say that my point, when you start talking about how it looked like they had a completed roster, there's still a lot of possibility for shifting. Stay tuned. Going on. Yeah, absolutely. Stay <laughs> tuned. I don't think they're done, but when I look at it, you know, my view was if they made the right kind of additions, I could see this team actually being better than they were last year, which by the way, is not a high bar because they didn't make the tournament. Yeah. So 
it's not a lot to say, oh, you're the eighth best team in the Big Ten and you get a tournament bid, you're better than you were the year before, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not a high bar. But the reason I felt that way was for all that Dickinson brings you offensively, he's such he's such a bad defender and and more to the point, he forces you to make choices offensively too, but especially defensively that just limit the way you can play that. I just think having somebody like Reed who doesn't have to play that way can do more things defensively. I think that's a bonus and Burnett is the right kind of addition defensively. You know, Kemwa would be the right kind of addition defensively, you know, so they're, they're, they're adding or might be able to add some guys who you know, could get you to that, that spot where, yeah, you don't have the scores you had with, with Dickinson and, and Buffkin and, and Howard, but you're better defensively and, and you're just a, you're a more sound team and a less predictable team in terms of how you have to play. So that was my view. Then they went and added Caleb love. So I have no idea what that, how that makes you better. Um, so I, I think it, it, that's another one that's to be determined. We, we just don't know yet. I think it's interesting what they've done, but it's not finished yet. I, don't know. I, I find Howard a little bit like a crow, and I think he sees something shiny, and he just kind of goes and snatches it and maybe doesn't really think of the implications. I, you did, yeah, you just, you don't, you know, he got so much credit that COVID year for, oh, look at these savvy poor right, additions. Right, But it hasn't, it hasn't panned out that way. The last two years, I mean, Llewellyn, you could say, oh, well, he got hurt, but Llewellyn played a little bit before he got hurt and it wasn't good. And I, I had said going into the season, I thought there were reasons to be skeptical about the idea of that guy playing point guard. Now, could he help this team in a reserve role? Yeah, he could. Yeah. Well, I, we talked about this before. You know, I think, you know, the, the portal has probably for as many success stories of portal, there are probably three or four times as many ones that are failures. And I think. You can Absolutely. get, you can get fooled. And I think, you know, Mel Tucker is one example. We had got Kenneth Walker and you're like, Oh, the portal's the answer. That's going to solve all Michigan State's problems. And you know, you've strike gold. You certainly look like a genius, but more often than not, you've got to have a good foundation. Right. And I think that's, and w what that mix is, and you, it probably varies from team to team, but you probably can't be all portals uh, at this point and, and be, and have any sort of level of consistent success. You make a really good point, and and I think that's why it will be important, you know, for all the celebrating and and rightly so, of a guy like Jerome Tang, what he did at Kansas State mm -hmm. with an almost entirely new roster. Let's not forget the guy who meant the most was actually a returnee, right. their point guard, yeah. right? He wasn't new, and he's going to have to presumably they're going to. I haven't followed too closely to see everybody they've added, but. I would assume with all the roster losses they had, they're going to need to add a bunch of guys again next year. How's that going to look? You know, um, it, it's just, it's a year to year thing. And I think you're right. It's important to be skeptical of the idea of somebody having the magic touch and just being able to go to that well year after year after year and build it that way without any continuity, without any foundation. Yeah. I mean, you saw, uh, you saw Hoiberg do that successfully for a while at Iowa state and then translated into yep. a job at the NBA and his return to Nebraska. I, can, yep. I think you'd say is anything, but under, it's underwhelming. I mean, I guess 
sort of looked right. kind of okay at the end of the season, but that's only because the bar had been set so low right. that he looked better. Uh, well, let's move on to a team that's been struggling for a couple of years now, a uh, number of years, actually. I can't even think of the last time they were really good. Uh, Minnesota, the wild, the Golden Gophers, they lost a huge uh, departure for them was Jameson Battle, who uh, took off. He had, They also lost Tra- Trayton uh, Thompson, Jaden Henley, and Jaylon, or Taylon Cooper, uh, which, you know, Minnesota losing players is not that big a deal, generally, except outside of battle, because they didn't have a lot of great players. They are returning Dawson Garcia, which is nice. Uh, Parker Fox, Isaiah Aiden, Farrell Payne, Joshua Ola Joseph, Braden Carrington, Taurus Samuels, and Caden Betts. They added Jack Wilson from Washington State, Mike Mitchell from Pepperdine, and uh, Cam Christie. Hmm, that name, last name seems familiar. Cam Christie, the little brother of... Uh, uh, why can't I think of his name right Max. now? Max. Max Christie. <laughs> Max Christie. Boy, it's only been like a year. Uh, so Minnesota, I, you know, Ben Johnson has got to be, I mean, he's one to two years from being in the hot seat, I think, if this team doesn't get better, because they were pretty bad this last year. Uh, it was it was a, as we talked about a few times, it was a historically bad team. And, you know, losing your point guard and Cooper and losing battle is not a great place to be. Yeah. but. Um, we'll see there again. I can't believe their roster is done, but you, you talk about who's back. So Garcia was actually really productive statistically, and he'll be the power forward. And then they've got an interesting combination of guys inside Pharrell Payne, who I thought was pretty good as a freshman big last year. He showed real potential. He's back. And then they added this kid Wilson from Washington state and I wasn't overly familiar with him, but um, I, when they announced his commitment, I looked into him and uh, he's giant. I mean, he's just, he's a huge guy. Um, 6'11", 338 pounds. And he also played football. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, um, it's interesting. Uh you know, he didn't play a lot last year. He only played in 14 games, um, but that's at least a physical presence, right? Yeah. So I thought that was... I wonder if he's I playing football in Minnesota. I thought that was an interesting one. But anyway, inside, they're okay. The guy who's really also intriguing to me on this team, you mentioned his name, and probably very few of our listeners have heard of him, is a guy named Parker Fox. And the reason you haven't heard of him is he's been hurt right and for the last two years he's been hurt but he played division two at a place called northern state um in the uh 2000 let me see i believe it was the 2020 2021 season that he played there um, so he's missed the last two seasons due to injuries. He played three years at Northern state, but this was a guy who was a D two all American. He shot 64% from the field as last year at Northern state averaged 22 points, 10 rebounds, three and a half blocks and 1.7 steals per game. So big time production, six, eight, um, athletic enough to play on the wing or inside. Um, so some versatility, I don't know how healthy he's going to be, but they were really excited about this guy when they got him. And I just hope for his sake, he's able to actually play. 
Um, so that'll be interesting to watch their backcourt losing Cooper was a bit of a blow, but you know, they've got Isaiah in it. Who's also a guy who's missed two straight years with injuries. Who's a six, eight Wayne who had showed some potential under the previous regime. We'll see how healthy he is. Uh, Josh Ola Joseph played a lot of minutes for them last year. And then they added a couple guys, Mike Mitchell, who was a transfer from Pepperdine and actually had a pretty good year for them. He averaged 11.4 points um, and five assists per game. And he shot 44% from three. So I think they've got some reason to think that maybe they can actually be improved at the point. And then Cam Christie, who's a top 150 recruit, Cam Christie can shoot. Now, he's not the overall player. He's not as tall as Max was. Like he's only about 6'4". Um, but he can shoot. And Minnesota desperately needs shooting. Yeah. So he's got a chance to earn an early role, I think, even though you know, physically he's got some developing to do. If you saw Max, you know what the deal is with, with Cam in terms of what's yet to come for him physically. But, um, you know, look, this is not really saying very much, but I do think Minnesota's got a chance to be better. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? They could still be, you know, if they were 150 in Ken Palm overall next year, they'd be substantially improved and they'd still be terrible. Right. So... <laughs> I don't know, but th- there is some talent here. I mean, Dawson Garcia can play. Yeah, he's good. He can absolutely play. And, you know, I think that, again, I think Payne showed a lot of potential as a legit big man, um, but they, they need a lot more. I, I don't think they're done in the portal just yet, so we'll see how it shakes out. Well, let's move on to Nebraska, the team chronically dipping in the portal and with entire roster turnovers practically every season. And yet this season, not quite so much. They uh, lost Derek Walker, Sam Griesel, uh, Denim Dawson, and Oleg Kognitz. And returning Kisei Tomonaga, their sensational uh, Japanese player at the uh, who really came the uh, last like, 10 games of the Big Ten season or so. He really just came alive. Uh, Emmanuel Bandemel, Wilhelm Breidenbach, CJ Wilcher, Jamarcus Lawrence, Jawan Gary, Sam Hoiberg, Blaze Kikita, Karen uh, McPherson and Rama Lloyd. Uh, they also added Rink Mast, who's a who's a really good player from Bradley, and then Bryce yep. Williams from Charlotte, and uh, recruit Eli mm-hmm. Rice, who's uh, outside the just inside the top two hundred. Yeah, I, look, I think it's um it's obviously an important year for Fred Hoiberg as he you know he finally got just a little bit of momentum built up yeah last year and he needs to continue. The biggest thing is Tomanaga. Because mm-hmm. th- that guy just proved to be a weapon, and uh, his his efficiency improved enough that the things I didn't like about him the year prior was the fact that he just is a completely unpredictable shooter. He takes shots out of rhythm for a normal college player and from bad spots on the floor but he started hitting them enough mm-hmm. that if that continues, you know, you were, I mean, we saw there was a stretch late in the season when Nebraska kind of got on their run, so to speak, that he was, um, he carried him. He was a 20 point a night yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He could drop 30 you know, on you in a hurry. He's capable and not just a three point shooter anymore. He started using the fact that he was a threat from there to his advantage and being able to score inside the arc too. So he's important. Um, Bandamal who got hurt, last year is back, gives them a nice veteran defensive presence 
in the backcourt. Wilcher, again, a guy who's played a little bit, can shoot, can score some. I was really impressed late in the season with Jamarcus Lawrence, who um, was a freshman guard for them last year. So there's some there's some pieces now that they did lose Sam Greasel, which is a big loss. But um, I think if if you look at what they've added, um, they added the kid Williams from Charlotte as a transfer, and. There's some strengths there. This is a guy who shot 40% from three and hit 84% of his free throws. So he's a legit shooter. Um, and, and they can use more of that, you know? So I think, I think that there's a solid, solid addition there um, in, in terms of what he may be able to bring to their backcourt. Now, inside... Um, the loss of, of Derek Walker is a big one yeah, for sure. because he was, he was an important guy, but you mentioned rank mast. Who's a, a native of the Netherlands played at Bradley was a first team, all Missouri Valley guy last year. And so we're talking about a very legitimate center, uh, six, nine, um, 240 pounds. So he's got big 10 size average 14 points, eight rebounds, 2.4 assists last year. So that sounds a lot like Derek Walker, yeah. who was a playmaking center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was apparently part of the reason that sold him on going to um, on going to Nebraska. He picked Nebraska over Iowa. So, And he's also, by the way, he shot 33% over his three years at Bradley from three. Yeah. So a little bit of a threat from out there, too. So I think he's a good addition. Um, you know, I mentioned Williams as a as a backcourt addition, but it's he's really more of a wing because he's six seven. Um, but you know, otherwise he could maybe help a little bit inside, even potentially in a pinch as a small ball four. But they have Breedenbach, who was productive at times last year. A big returnee is Juwan Gary, who was starting for them until he got hurt. Yeah. The Alabama transfer. You know, he was giving them some really good two-way play at the four. He's back, as is Blaze Keita, who is another big man who can help in a reserve role. So you look at this team, and I mean, I, I may really regret saying this, but <laughs> I think Nebraska's got a chance to be better. You know, the, the loss of Walker and Greasel is important. Those were two very important guys for them. But they look pretty, and by the way, they're also not necessarily done in the transfer portal. So there's a guy who's lurking out there, and it remains to be seen. He's coming on a visit, a guy named Hunter Salas, who's a transfer point guard from Gonzaga, um, was a McDonald's All-American, never quite cracked through to find his his role steadily at Gonzaga. He was in the rotation, but he just wasn't, he wasn't able to really make that leap into being as productive as people would assume. Uh, but he's visiting this week. If they get him, that's a guy that at least in terms of his potential could really add something they haven't had at the point. I mean, Greasel gave them decent play at that position last year, but Salas would be at least potentially a guy at another level. And if they can add that to this mix, we've been talking about, I just, 
look, I mean, this team got better last year primarily because they got a lot better on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. And I see no reason to think that that won't continue since so many of these guys are back. Um, If they can get a little better offensively and adding a guy like Salas could help, you know, getting this big kid in keeps that element in place. Um, Williams may be able to help three-point shooting to get another year out of Tominaga. You know, oh, Sam Hoiberg's back too, mm-hmm. who was actually pretty good for them late in the season. I, I mean, I think they were, what were they, 8 and 12, 9, 11 in the league last year? They were just, uh, uh, yeah, they just missed being 500, I think. Yeah, I think they yeah 9, 11, so 9 yeah. and 11. I, I think, <laughs> dare I say it, I think maybe, you know, I, I could see it. Okay. You can say it. It's okay, Rod. <laughs> a little better, a little better, maybe. And if they can figure out a way to be better in the non-conference, who the hell knows? They could be a tournament team for sure. I mean, but I like, I, I don't want to go that far, but I will, because but it I'm, does you know, feel, yeah. okay, you can <laughs> it, but it does feel to me, you know, I look at them in comparison to so many of these other teams and I think, well, but I know a little bit more about what they're going to be. Cause there's continuity there, which is crazy to be saying about a, a Fred Hoiberg team. Yeah. Well, there is, but yeah. there is going to be continuity. So good for them. I think he's finally maybe started to get it in place. Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, I do I kind of feel bad for those fans because, you know, I mean, I don't really care that much, but they seem to be very passionate and have a fun time, but they, it'd be nice for them to have a Absolutely. nice product out there. And Tomonaga with the yeah. guy, he forces you to guard out to 27 feet, you know. Uh, you know I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he makes, if you have yeah, other pieces us. around him, I, you could see them. Yep. If they play anywhere like they did at the end of last season, they if they start that way or, you know, there's yep. a potential, That's it. right? That's I mean, it. there wasn't a huge difference. It was pretty much, I feel like the same Northwestern team that came back from last year, yet they were much more successful this year because, you know, the well, margin because they lost some guys, well, right. they lost two big men starters. right? We thought they'd be worse. And yet they were much better. Yes. They were much better. It, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So I, that'd be my bold prediction that Nebraska makes a tournament next year. And keep in mind, I mean, these things never pan out exactly the way you think they will, but um, it is worth noting Nebraska went on their run after they lost Bandemal and Gary to injury. So they were down two starters and they got better. And it wasn't because those guys were bad players and it was addition by subtraction. Those were actually two reliable guys. It's just everybody else stepped up. Yeah. You've got both of those guys back now. I think the defensive improvement is real and sustainable. It's just going to be. Can they get a little better offensively? Mm-hmm. Can they, you know, does Williams bring them and and maybe, you know, if they got in somebody like Salas, get improvement from a couple of other guys. I think, you know, the emergence of Lawrence late in the year as a freshman. Now you've got him coming back as a sophomore with that under his belt. He should be much better. I mean, I can see, I can see ways in which they can be better offensively. And if they are, who knows? Yeah. All right. Let's move to the next, uh, the surprising team is last season, which was Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, they had a lot of departures, uh, but they still have some pieces remaining. They still have Ty Berry, Brooks uh, Barnheiser, Matthew Nicholson, uh, Nick Martinelli, and Luke Hunger. They added Jordan Clayton, uh, Blake Barkley, and Parker Strauss from uh, who not not any of them are highly acclaimed freshmen uh, coming in. Right. They lost uh, Titus Verhoeven, Julian Roper, Robbie Barron, and Boo Booey and Chase Adige are both testing the waters with the NBA draft. And I think it's likely at least one of them returns is my guess. Well, that's the whole deal. 
If they get both of those guys back, they can be right back in the tournament mix again. If they don't get either back, it could be a tough year. If they get just one back, uh, you know, yeah, better, but challenge better with Bowie than probably uh, Chase. Adige, yeah. I don't, I don't see why, unless those guys are just done with college, why they would go because neither one is likely to be drafted. Right. Um, and I, I, I just, it's hard for me to, now the, the downside is what's the NIL available at Northwestern. Right, exactly. That's you know, the question. if those, if, if those guys were at any other big tent school, I'd say almost automatic. Oh yeah. And maybe they don't even go in to test the draft waters, you know, but, but it's interesting, you know, sometimes guys are doing two things. They're going into the draft, but leaving the option to return, but they're also entering the portal. That hasn't happened with either of these guys, at least not yet. There's still time. So right? I mean, you could envision that as well. There's still time. Yeah. They could, they could do it before May 11th, but you know, it, it, this is one of the bigger unknowns because they're going to be good again, defensively, um, with those guys offensively, it's always going to be, um, a crap shoot and they lost Baran to the portal, but you know, late in the season, they were relying more on Barnheiser. Anyway, yeah. Barnheiser really he was made much a breakthrough better. Yeah. late in the year. And I think Martinelli showed that he can be part of a, a good team as well on the rotation. And Matthew Nicholson just was, uh, he was as good as I thought he could ever potentially be coming out of Clarkston. He was really good in the ways they needed him to be defensively. He was just a rock. He was a good rebounder. And, you know, he's an, he gives you enough offensively where you can use him as a lob threat at the rim. He's never going to be a post-up guy, but they didn't need it. They were just so good defensively. And if you get Bowie and Audige back, you're going to be very good there again. And then those guys, along with Ty Berry and, and maybe improvement from Barnheiser, carry your offense. But it's, it's all depending on those two decisions. They get those two to break the right way. You know, I, I think you have to pencil them in as a tournament team again heading into next season. If they don't, it could be back to uh, – Struggle city. Yeah, right. Exactly. Town, Struggle say. bus, right? Yeah. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore.
Uh, next be Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, truly the biggest disappointment last season, I think. They Well, by far, they were the biggest disappointment. Yeah. Uh, they kind of turned around a teensy bit at the end of the season, made a little bit of run in the Big Ten tournament, but otherwise, very disappointing season. They're returning Zed Key, who hopefully will come with two shoulders. Uh, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Akpara, Tanner Holden, Bowen Hardman, and Kalen Etzler. They lost Bryce Sensabaugh, who's going to the NBA, although I guess he could return. Justice Suing, uh, Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, and Eugene Brown are all gone. They added Dale Bonner from Baylor. Jamison Battle, we talked about earlier, who's left Minnesota's uh, sign-on with Ohio State. Taysan Chapman is a top 50 recruit. Scotty Middleton, also top 50 recruit. Devin Royal, top 50 recruit. And then Austin Parks. You know, I've been really, really hard on uh, Chris Holtman. I have... I have felt that uh, he's been a bit of an underachiever, and last year was the worst example mm-hmm. of that. Um, and, but great metrics, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> but I would say from the last week of February till now, it's been nothing but sunshine and rainbows <laughs> for Chris Holtman. Because Ohio State legitimately, and I I may live to regret this too, <laughs> but legitimately, I think right now looks no worse than the third best roster in the Big Ten. I think Michigan State and Purdue, at least at the moment, probably look like the two best. But Ohio State, you put right in there. And that's partially because of the way they closed, which you mentioned. It wasn't just the Big Ten tournament. They were actually better the last couple weeks of the regular season. Yeah. And then they rolled into the big 10 tournament and went on a run to the semifinals um, from, you know, from the Wednesday game. So it was impressive. Uh, And then the addition, they had a great recruiting class already lined up and then two really nice portal additions. I think sensible is gone. I would assume it. Yeah. And I actually think that's probably for the best because What's got to happen at Ohio State, offensively, they've been good pretty much every year under Holtman, but defensively, it's really been a problem. And where I thought they were better the last couple of weeks of the season was on the defensive end. That's got to continue. And Sensabaugh, remember, Sensabaugh was not a factor in that Big Ten tournament run. Right. He was out. I think he played the first game, but he was out after that. Or maybe he played the first no, he, two. Yeah, he missed in, the in Iowa game, so he missed the second game, yeah. Right, right. Um, so I think that they're actually – and he was a very good player offensively as a freshman, but I think they're actually better. This is going to be an interesting team, and health is obviously a factor too. You mentioned Zed Key in the shoulders. If he's back healthy, and there's no reason to think that he won't be, they got a great one-two punch in the middle now because you've got Key, 6'9", proven – low post threat, decent rebounder, but I really like the way Felix Okpara, their, their six eleven freshman played when he had to, when they had no other choice, but to play him in the absence of key. I thought he really started to show strides. I think they can be a very good offense defense punch and Okpara. That's not to say Okpara can't score, but I think he's got the potential to be a rim protector and maybe a little more versatile as a defender, maybe a guy you can you can do some hedge stuff with on pick and roll defense that you can't do with Zed Key. But that's got the potential to be a pretty good combination inside between those two guys. I thought Bruce Thornton was incredible 
in that Big Ten tournament run at the point. You know, he he kind of he'd had a good freshman year, but not a great one up until that point. And then we saw it when they beat Michigan State, right? Mm-hmm. He he went out and had himself a game. Yeah, he was good. I mean, just controlled things for Ohio State. And so he's coming into a sophomore season where he's got to feel like, you know, he can play against anybody. And I think he's got a reason to think that. I thought Roddy Gale showed a lot as a two-way guy um, in that run down the stretch. Uh, the other guys who've got come back, Tanner Holden was a guy that got a lot of hype as a portal addition, but he didn't do very much. Um, he was actually a good shooter, but he just didn't play much, didn't take many shots. So maybe he finds a way to help, but I, I actually think more perimeter help is going to come from the new bodies. So Jamison Battle, you mentioned from Minnesota, you could slot him, slot him right in at the four. Uh, starting the season. Yeah. I think the question with Jamison Battle is which one are you getting? Are you getting the guy from two years ago who was so good at Minnesota, or are you getting the guy from last year who was banged up pretty much all year, never really found his stride, and wasn't nearly as efficient, wasn't nearly as good a rebounder, just wasn't nearly as good a player. But Jamison Battle, physically right and engaged, is a problem. I mean, that, that is potentially a major, major portal addition, you know? So that was a hell of a place to start. And then you look at what they're going to be able to do on the perimeter. So they added Dale Bonner from Baylor, who's a nice backup option to Thornton in a way they really didn't have last year. I mean, he didn't play a ton at Baylor, but I think he averaged five points, three assists per game. So reason to think that he can be at least a solid option as a backup. And then you got to, you got to factor in those wing spots along with Gale. So Gale gives you one option, but they've got three freshmen coming in. They're very high on Taysom Chapman, top 40 guy out of Minnesota, very good shooter, six, four Scotty Middleton, six, six um, played at sunrise Christian and was briefly a guy MSU showed interest in right. top 50 recruit um very good very good wayne and devin royal who i suspect will swing between the three and four maybe not started either but he'll play a lot he was a guy michigan state was very serious about and when they didn't get him they then went out and got cohen carr um, i'm happy with that yeah right that trade but devin royal can play devin royal he reminded me watching him when he was being recruited by MSU, he reminded me a little bit of someone like Raymar Morgan. You know, he had that size at six, seven, and maybe about two ten or so where you could see him playing either the three or the four, not a great athlete, but a good one, maybe not a great shooter, but a good one, not a great handle, but a good one. You get my drift. Yeah. Yeah. He Devin Royal can do a lot of different things to help you win. And, and so I really like this team. I mean, they're, they're still going to be on the young side. You know, it's, it's a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And so you never, you never feel great about that, but, um, I just, I, I like, I like the way that team ended last year. I like their additions and I think they got a chance to be really good. And he needs them to be good. Chris Holtman needs a really good year. You miss the NCAA tournament at Ohio State. That's a problem, and it ought to be a problem. 
because that program has resources. It sits in favorable recruiting territory. You've got everything going for you at Ohio State. There's really not a good excuse to not make the tournament. And so coming off that kind of year, he's now going to have expectations because of all the things we've just talked about. He's got to make good on them. I don't, I don't know that I think he needs to win the Big Ten, but he needs that team to be really good. And it would help if they make a little run in March, too. Yeah, certainly help for them to be better defensively, which is what they've really been lacking. That's where it's, you know, and that's the, I'm glad you brought that up. That's the biggest thing that has to happen. And so, you know, you're talking about three freshmen all playing prominent roles. Battle, who was not a great defensive player at Minnesota, let's be honest. Um, I, you don't know. Will they be better? But I, but I like the potential of guys like Thornton and Gale and Opara to help make them better. Yeah, um, they do have. And and those freshmen, you know, somebody like Devin Royal, he's got a good reputation as a defensive player. Now, how quickly that translates, we'll see. Can they get battle to be better? We'll see. But a lot of talent here, and and I do like what they've done. I like the way they look as we sit here in April. So next, move on to the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I think the best way to envision Penn State is sort of like imagining a nuclear bomb landing in the desert, and it's just <laughs> turned to glass. And I think that's pretty much explains State College's basketball program. So let's talk, begin with the departures. We have Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, Andrew Funk, Miles Dredd, Cameron Winter, Michael Henn, Caleb Dorsey, Dalen uh, Johnson, Evan Mahaffey, Jamil Brown, Kevin, Kevin Jai, and of course, Head coach Micah Shrewsbury, who I don't think anyone predicted was going to be gone after this next last year. Uh, they have two people returning: Kanye Clary and Demetrius Lilly. They added Ace Baldwin from VCU and Nick Kern, also from VCU, as they have the new head coach from VCU, right, Mike Rhodes. That's right. Well, add in um, Jameel Brown to the returnees, who's a six-four sophomore to be guard. He just announced today he's coming back, so that's three returnees. Clary's the important one because Clary actually was in the rotation. He was pretty good yeah. as a backup point guard. Yeah. He showed potential. Um, Brown was actually their highest rated recruit among their perimeter guys, but he only played in 14 games last year, but still they, they see him as having potential. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is going to be a very interesting situation to watch. Uh, we haven't had a chance to really talk about this, but the Micah Shrewsbury story there was just incredibly disappointing to me as a big time fan. Um, you know, I, obviously I want Michigan state to win the league every year and that, you know, that goes without saying, but I've always believed it's a Michigan state's best interest that every team except Michigan in the conference be good <laughs> because that gives you an opportunity to be at your best. And I think over the years, that's proven to be the case. I think Michigan state has benefited from the big 10 being an extremely competitive conference, you know, where by the time you get to March, you've gone through the big 10 wars, you're ready, you know? So it's been to our benefit to see that. Yeah. And I just, I like seeing, you know, I like seeing Northwestern be competitive this year. I'm going to be happy if Fred Hoiberg can find it to keep improving at Nebraska, you know, every once in a while, it's, it's fun to see, the have nots have a year. And that's what Penn state was last year. They, that plus their style of play was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, I thought they were a blast to watch. I thought Michael Shrewsbury showed amazing chops as a coach. And then when it came time 
for Penn State to hold on to a guy who got it done, got him to the tournament, won a game, was very competitive in the game they lost against Texas in the round of 32, um, and who got to the Big Ten tournament final, by the way. Yeah. Um, they let him they let him walk. They got outbid by Notre Dame, which is a disgrace because Notre Dame is a they're a basketball school, aren't they? <laughs> It's a, it's a B it's a B list basketball school. It really is. And, and I looked at it and at the time I thought, well, there's no reason in the world, no big 10 team should ever lose a coach that they want to keep. It should not happen unless, unless you are talking about Kentucky or Kansas or North Carolina or Duke coming after you. That's it. That's it. That's where it stops. It shouldn't happen otherwise. But the reality is Penn state, didn't want to keep him very badly. They didn't want to pay the freight. And it's not even about salary. My understanding is they were reasonably close to Notre Dame on his salary, but it's all the other stuff. Your NIL program, um, money available for support staff, um, all the other resources that go into being a serious basketball program, Penn state was unwilling to do. And so in the end, it really, as I understand it, wasn't much of a choice for Micah Shrewsbury to make. And that's a shame. That's awful. So he's gone. Um, and instead we have a guy who was supposedly in contention for the job last year, Mike Rhodes, who has done a nice job at VCU. He's a Pennsylvania native. Um, but he's got essentially the bulk of a roster to reassemble. So right now he has five guys on scholarship, three returnees and two portal additions expect Penn state to be active <laughs> the rest of the understatement way. of the year. Cause he's, he's probably got to add, well, he's got to add a minimum five, six more guys. Yeah. Right. Sure. So yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Now he continues to recruit some of his former VCU players. The two he's got are both VCU players. There's another guy. Um, and let me get his name. Um, Jalen Deloach, who would be nice to add because he's actually kind of a power forward type, um, who they just had in on a visit, but he just announced today he's kind of opening his recruitment back up, although he's continuing to um, consider Penn State. That that doesn't sound great to me. No. If I Penn State, but but here's the funny part. So in all this dire news, one of those additions, Ace Baldwin, who's a point guard from VCU. Was the A-10 player of the year and defensive player of the year. Wow. So he got a portal addition who is massive and who was wanted by, you know, name the school. I mean, he was he was seen as a serious addition. So if there was any semblance of a supporting cast around him, I would be saying, well, maybe Rhodes just got his Jalen Pickett. But right now... <laughs> you've got him and i mean the other kid they added from vcu nick kern averaged five points a game last year so it's not nothing but it's not like you look at that and say well that's another big timer coming in yeah and the three returnees none of them really did very much last year that's always possible you know a few of these guys that left um mahaffey and Enjai, um have not yet selected schools. I have no idea if Penn state's continuing to recruit those guys in the portal or not, and what the odds are of getting them back. But sometimes that happens. Yeah. 
Um, that happened with Shrewsbury, as a matter of fact. He had to re-recruit a bunch of guys when he took right. the job two yeah, years ago. Right. And that's without and NIL. And he did it. Yeah. And, th- and those ended up being very significant retentions. So we'll see on Mike Rhodes. I think Ace Baldwin means that they'll at least have a guy at the most important position on the floor who's pretty damn good. Uh, what's really funny about this, too, is I look at Penn State, and I mean, since they've joined the Big Ten, I would not describe them as a great football program. I mean, they're very, very good. Don't get me wrong, but they're not like dominant, good. and they're not a great team. I mean, I don't how they won Decent, the Big Ten. Solid. I, for 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 school to focus that heavily on football, a sport that they're right. I mean, they were great in the what early nineties or eighties, really. I mean, it's been a long seven time. seven. 70s 80s and into the mid 90s yeah right so it's say. been a, it's been the, over 25 years days. it's like nebraska yeah, but right this is i understand it, that's exactly. just the, i understand that's where the fan base are it's older cultural. or whatever it's cultural but it's it, is, cultural. it is surprising that they f- they focus so much on something that they just don't dominate in um so i you know i guess and i don't i don't know i know you're i know you have your law degree but i mean if you have any eligibility left you can give mike Rhodes a call rod and see if he's yeah. got a spot for you Anybody listening? Yeah, you want to hit the tryouts at, uh, at Bryce Jordan. I'm sure they'll have you. It's it's really unfortunate, you know. Um, I just don't think any Big Ten school has an excuse to operate the way Penn State did. Not for revenue sports, thing. right? It's, it doesn't make any it's sense. embarrassing. You and and frankly, it made me wonder. And I had this discussion on the Spartan Mag board. We, we were fortunate enough there to have a, a poster uh, Atlanta twelve who is very, and he's proven this over time, very plugged in on the television side of athletics. And that gets him a lot of information early. And he actually had pretty good information about this Penn State thing, including that Shrewsbury was likely to go when I I just didn't see why. But I didn't know that internally Penn State was having this battle as to how much in the way of resources they wanted to devote to the basketball program. It, It might be that at a certain point, and we'll see what Mike Rhodes could get done, but it might be that the conference and their peer institutions need to have a discussion with Penn State, the way that reportedly the SEC brass did with some of their schools about starting to devote some of their resources from these massive TV deals into their basketball programs about five, six years ago. And it's made a difference in the SEC. And I, I, this whole story made me wonder if there needs to be a come to Jesus moment for Penn State. It's it could be made made for TV, right? Reality show, you know, intervention here with the Penn State. Yeah, it's just there's no excuse for it. But yeah. Anyway, we'll see how that roster pans out, and then we can get a better fix on how bad they'll be. But hard to believe they'll be better. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah hard to imagine they'd make the tournament next year, barring some. A miracle. Uh, so let's move on to the Purdue Boilermakers, the Big Ten champions and Big Ten tournament champions, and colossal collapse in the NCAA tournament where they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson uh, badly. Uh, so departures only a couple: David Jenkins and Brandon Newman. Returning Zach Eady, most likely. I think there's still talk about him possibly mm-hmm. going to the draft. Fifty-fifty, but uh, I think it's unlikely, right? Yeah. Caleb first. Fifty-fifty. Trey Kaufman, Wren, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, Mason Gillis, Ethan Morton, Brian Waddell. Camden Heidi and Will Berg. So pretty much everybody's back, essentially. Uh, Lance Jones, they added a transfer from Southern Illinois, and they have one recruit, Miles Colvin. So this is in some, uh, I would, I want to say it's a little bit like Michigan State, where you have pretty much a starting lineup back. Uh, but then 
Michigan State at least has more recruits coming in. This whereas Purdue's pretty much, I mean, basically the same team they're rolling out next year. So as it stands now. Well, look, we're not going to bury the lead here. The whole thing is Zach Eady. <laughs> um, and, and I and I honestly, here's the thing: if they get Zach Eady back, the first question I have to ask at that point is, okay, great. What's going to be different? Yeah, right. Because they had they had a spectacular regular season, but we knew and we talked about it here all year long. Their guard play was going to be a question mark, and the fact that as great as he was, Zach Eady locks you into playing one way has potentially negative impacts once you get to March because you're going to face different types of teams. If you want to go on a deep run, I submit you have to be able to play different ways, and Purdue could not do it. And I'm not sure it's going to be – Zach Eady can't change who he is. He's always going to be seven foot four. He's always going to be north of 300 pounds. He's never going to be able to move his feet very well. Th- those things aren't changing. Yeah. I-, I have heard that it's, you know, and, and not just heard, but the fact that there hasn't been a decision yet would suggest right. that it's a closer call than maybe people thought it would be. Um, I-, I don't think Zachy, he's not going to be a first rounder. There's no question about that, but it seems to me he'd probably get drafted by somebody in the second round and would have an opportunity, you know, to become a professional. Uh, One other complicating factor with him, he's Canadian. And what that means is that the NIL route for him is not a simple one for foreign born players. It's not the same equation. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. I, I do understand that there are workarounds but that is probably something of a factor here as well, is that how easy or how much in the way of NIL he can get at Purdue is to be determined. Right. But if he doesn't come back, then they're a completely different team, right? Sure. I mean, just completely different. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is I look at Matt Painter and the things that I've seen him say after the tournament, and he has openly said, we may have to look at how we're playing. He's, he's acknowledged all the things I just said are potentially issues. Now, whether he's saying that for public consumption and he's still going to stick with what's worked for him in the regular season remains to be seen. You know, sometimes you could fool yourself by saying, well, we just had a bad day. It was bad luck. And sometimes it actually was just bad luck and you had a bad day. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where he's at. I firmly believe they have a problem. Now, they could bring this roster back and win the Big Ten next year, and it would shock no one. Right. But are they going to be better off in the long run? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So the other, the other issue would be the guard play. I was going to say, they have to and, be you know, they better have, shooting. Well, better shooting and also – much, much stronger with the ball. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, they lost, they lost their two best athletes, David Jenkins out of, out of eligibility and Brandon Newman who opted to transfer. And both of those guys, um, were reserves, but they, they were playing increasingly important roles later in the year. When I think the jig kind of was up with Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer, mm-hmm. people figured out if we get our bodies into them defensively, these guys are going to struggle to uh, hold on to the ball. 
And Purdue started coughing up turnovers at a much higher rate than they had previously. And, you know, how much better will those guys be as sophomores? You'd expect improvement, but how much better? I don't know. Ethan Morton is back. So, you know, he's a veteran and he's a little better ball handling option, but he struggles to shoot. Um, they added Lance Jones from Southern Illinois, who's more of an off ball guy, even though he's six, one, a decent, not great shooter, you know, kind of a, kind of a less, well, let's say a pretty, pretty reasonable fast assembly of David Jenkins, except maybe a little bit less reliable as a shooter. Uh, but he's that kind of player. The guy who would really excite me if I were Purdue is Miles Colvin, though. He's only rated like at the back end of the top 100. But I watched um, Final Four weekend. They had a, a high school dunk contest that was, to no one's surprise, won by Cohen Carr. But Miles Colvin pushed him. Yeah, he was good. He was, yeah. He's an explosive athlete, the likes of which Purdue does not usually have. And so having him at like six, seven ish on the wing could give them a different look. And in my opinion, different is better for Purdue. So I I don't know how to feel about this team. I mean, if you bring Edie back they're they're right there with anybody in the big 10 and there'll be an, uh, there'll be a preseason top 10 choice for sure. And people will expect that their, those sophomore guards will be improved with a year under their belt. It'll also be interesting to see if they, if they pursue one more addition via the portal you know, try to bring in maybe another point guard. That might not be a bad idea. Um, but, uh, but I just have a hard time getting excited about a rerun of the same deal in terms of what their ultimate potential is. Right. Yeah. What, what is it going to be different? How, how you do reset? Right. Yep. Well, I mean, I, th- I imagine all the Purdue alumni right now are trying to convert their, um, their booster dollars into loonies so they can keep, right. Keep ED around. Uh, well, let's let's move on then to the second last team, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Everyone's darling until the whole kerfluffle after the uh, the incident on campus and the unwillingness to reschedule the game. Then they end up missing the NCAA tournament. Kind of a implosion at the end of the season for the for the um, yeah. for the Scarlet Knights. I think in large part due to the injury um, uh, to uh, is it Bull? I'm trying to think his name. He's not on the list here, so. Um, Anyway, uh, departures, Caleb McConnell, Cliff Amarie, uh, testing his waters in the NBA, Oscar Palmquist. You're talking, you're talking about Mag? Mawat Mag? Yeah, Maywat, Yeah, there we go. Maywat Mag. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. I don't want to see Minute Bowl. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Oscar Palmquist, Jalen Miller, and Dean Reber are the uh, departures. Returning Paul McCahey, who's going to try the draft, but he's probably going to come back. Andre Hyatt, Derek Simpson, Cam Spencer. Mawat Mag, we mentioned, Antoine Wolfhook. They added Noah Hurt Fernandez from UMass, Gavin Griffiths, uh, Babe Nadongo, and Jamichael Davis, are new incoming freshmen. So in some ways, it kind of looks a little bit like the same team, but um, I, I mean, I guess it, I, f- I always feel like it looks similar. Which you have someone like McKay, come back, you expect it to sort of to run similarly as before. Well, the, the big, the big thing here is, uh, initially is Omori. Yeah. Right. If he, if he comes back and I would kind of expect that, but you never know, um, you know, he's a force at both ends. And if he doesn't come back, you know, I, I thought Wolfolk showed some potential inside 
but I, Wolfolk's not going to give you what Omori did, <laughs> not even close. Mm-hmm. So you take a definite step back if Omori is gone. If he comes back, then this has the look of a pretty good team again. Um, here's why. So Mulcahy gives you your point guard, assuming he returns. I thought Derek Simpson looked pretty good toward the end. He got better in his freshman year. Toward the end of last season, he was pretty good. Cam Spencer, you know, sort of rode the rapids. He was great early on. And then teams, I think, kind of figured out that they had to defend him and how to defend him. And he was less efficient, Mm -hmm. less successful. But he's still a good player to have coming back. So that's a good threesome. But then you add in Noah Fernandez, who's a transfer from UMass. This guy last year, and granted, it's the A-10. It's not the Big Ten, but averaged 13.4 points, 4.1 assists per game, shot 45% from three and 48% from the floor. That's a shooter. They could use some offense for sure. That's, that is something Rutgers could really, really use. And whether he's starting or coming off the bench, that's a big addition. So now if you get Cam Spencer maybe back on track, you figure Simpson is better and he showed some potential as a shooter mm-hmm. last year. You add Fernandez and okay, he's always been an efficient shooter. He just doesn't take a lot of jumpers. All of a sudden, Rutgers guards look pretty good as a shooting group, you know? They've got Mag, I assume back and healthy, and he and Hyatt when they when Mag was healthy was a pretty good one-two punch at the four spot. Um, I mentioned Wolfolk. If he's your backup five, I feel really good about that. If he has to start, I feel less good. Um, and then they add a kid, Gavin Griffiths, who's a top 40 recruit, one of the best recruits in Rutgers history, who's a six, seven forward from New Jersey, kind of an inside outside threat. That's the kind of player they didn't have on last year's team as an, as an offensive threat uh, to me. Without Omori, they could I could still see a way that that team could be NCAA tournament worthy. I could see a path, but it's a lot harder. Yeah. If they get him back on paper, that looks like a pretty good team to me. You know, assuming everybody's healthy because you have most of your roster back. I mean, really, the only important guy you lose is Caleb McConnell, which is not to be dismissed because he was a great defensive player. but you have every reason to think you could be better offensively, maybe significantly. Sure. Yeah. And, and if you have Omuri inside, that's a, that's a two-way presence at the five that not, not a lot of teams will match. And with Wolfolk is a pretty good backup. So yeah, it's, it's an NBA decision that I think things are well too. If you count Mulcahy that I think things are riding on there. Yeah, and of course, with NIL, like you, if you're not a guaranteed high contract sort of player, I think these guys are less likely to leave right now. And so, um, and I guess I don't know what the NIL, the NIL situation is in Rutgers, but I'm sure it's at least decent enough that makes you pause. You know, whether you just jump into the G League. All right, so let's finish with Wisconsin, the Badgers. This is the classic. The good news is everyone's back. The bad news is everyone's back. So you look. Oh. Yeah, the only departures really is is Jordan Davis who was, uh, you know, okay, I guess. Uh, they, they returned Chucky Hepburn, Tyler Wall, which was a big addition, or I guess return, I should say. Stephen Kroll, Connor Sejan, Max Klesmet, Kamari McGee, Carter Gilmore, Isaac Lindsay, Marcus Ilver, Chris Hodges, Jacoby Neath, 
They added A.J. Starr from St. John's, Noah Reynolds from Wyoming, and a couple of recruits, Gus Yaldin, Nolan Winter, and John Blackwell, which, I mean, all all said, that seems like way too many players, and so I imagine there's going to be some movement or some of these players weren't playing much anyway. Yeah, um, I think it's it's more the latter, but th- this is <laughs> this is an interesting team all of a sudden. I mean, it's been a while since I've felt that way about Wisconsin, but... <laughs> You know, earlier in the, in the portal, there were strong rumors that they were going to lose Chucky Hepburn to either Nebraska or Creighton that he would go home. But I, that doesn't look very likely now. It seems like he's going to stay. And as you, as you mentioned, they really returned just about everybody of consequence except for Jordan Davis, who was a reserve, but it's the additions that really should excite you. I mean, Wisconsin last year was a pretty damn good defensive team that just could not score. Right. They, they were a vastly worse version of Michigan State. If they couldn't hit three, whereas with Michigan State, if they didn't hit threes, it would be tough for them to win, but they hit threes more often than not. Wisconsin, if they couldn't hit threes, it was almost impossible for them to win, and they had enough games where they didn't hit them that it was a problem. Um. We'll talk about the returnees first. So Hepburn, you got a point guard going into his junior year. I think has done a lot of good things for them. You have a couple nice options on the wing in a Seijin, who was a really good shooter as a freshman, really the only one they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Klesmet, who was a transfer and a very good defensive player. So a couple nice pieces there. And then Tyler Wall, of course, kind of the stereotypical Wisconsin four-man type. Um, doesn't wow you with anything except his footwork on offense, but um, he's an effective post player, decent defender, decent rebounder. Only really the only thing he doesn't do at least decently is shoot um, jumpers. Yeah. And then Stephen Kroll, who, you know, struggles to find consistency, but he has his moments. Mm-hmm. And as a seven footer, he's a legit four stretching option. He can block some shots. He can rebound. He can also score some in the post. That's a pretty good starting five. And then you have guys, Kamari McGee was okay as a backup guard. Jacoby Neath, okay as a backup wing. Carter Gilmore, okay as a backup for you. Get where I'm going. It yeah. was the bench that I think really didn't add very much for Wisconsin, but that's where the additions are going to change things. And it might not even be just as reserves. So I'll start with the first guy, AJ Store. And A.J. Storr uh, is a guy they think is a major addition on the perimeter. Um, he comes from St. John's, uh, and I'm just pulling up his stats here. So you're talking about a six-foot-six guards. That's the first thing. There's real size. There's also some athleticism here. Um, he averaged – I mean, the numbers don't knock you out. But he was a he was a Big East All Freshman Team guy. He averaged nine points and two rebounds per game. Um, he shot forty three percent overall from the floor, forty percent from three. So those are all important elements. He's not for this for a team that just struggled to score. Now the downside is he wasn't considered a great defensive player at St. John's. But I have to be honest with you. Wisconsin is never a team that's built so much around individual defensive ability. Yeah, it's their it's scheme. the epitome of a team concept with that that pack line defensive approach. Um, 
I suspect that they'll be able to get store to be at least passable, you know, and, and, and you trade that even if he's not quite as good on the defensive end for what he could potentially give the offensively. I mean, he's a guy that I could definitely, those freshman numbers are good. I can definitely see the counting numbers, like the scoring average, taking a jump forward. Um, and he's good enough to press both Klesmet and, um, and a Siegen for a starting spot on the wing. And then they add another guy in um, Noah Reynolds from Wyoming, who's a six foot three guard who averaged 14 and a half points and a couple of assists per game last year. So again, what do you have there? Scoring. Um, I think it's easy to see how Wisconsin can be better just from those two additions, but they're going to have more on the perimeter inside. They've got a guy who I, I admit to find kind of fascinating coming in as a freshman, Gus Yaldon, who is a borderline top 100 type. When you see this guy, you're going to be shocked that he's got a big 10 scholarship. <laughs> um, and, and if, if you're listening, you want to look him up, you'll see what I mean. So he's six, nine. He does not look like a basketball player. He's a bit overweight. Um, not a gifted athlete, but really kind of, he kind of reminds me in some ways of a less in shape Jackson Kohler because he's got great footwork. He knows how to use angles and his size to create space, to get shots off around the basket and he can finish now with Kroll and with wall, they don't need him to play major minutes, but boy, it would sure help if he's capable, as I think he will be, of maybe giving them 10 decent minutes a night. It'll be better than what they had last year behind yeah. behind Kroll. That's for sure. So I'm interested in him. And then the other guy who is outside the top 150, but I think that may end up being a miss, is from the Detroit area, John Blackwell. Um, John Blackwell is a 6'4 combo guard who played at Birmingham Brother Rice. And was really good there if a little bit under the radar. Never got recruited by either Michigan or Michigan State. But he was very productive. He's very versatile. And he's got bloodlines. His father was a guy named Glenn Blackwell who played at Highland Park um, when they still had a high school and were very good <laughs> as a basketball program in the early 80s. And he played at Illinois and was a very good player at Illinois. So the bloodlines are there. He's a guy I think has been overlooked. And so him, in addition to the two um, transfers, that's three new guards that I think could perhaps significantly improve Wisconsin's perimeter depth. So Wisconsin is another team that I would maybe slot in right almost there with Ohio State. It's a different profile. Wisconsin's a lot more experienced, but those are two teams that were non-NCAA tournament teams that right now I would be very tempted to put in my preseason top five as we sit here on April 17th in the Big Ten, not of the country. Yeah, right, sure. But I think, I think Wisconsin's going to be potentially a lot better because I don't think they were that far away from being a good team last year. Not a great one, but they weren't that far away from being good. They basically needed to find a little more offense. Well, I think they've added that. Yeah, and well, and you know, you look at their NCAA tournament; they're probably one win away had they not lost to Ohio State. Right, 
They might have been the right. tournament, and we'd have we'd look at them differently than the season. Then probably, uh, Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And so, to me, I mean, they're even in some ways they're a safer projection than Ohio State, just because there's so much back. Yeah, they're so close, and it's, yeah. and it's a lot of and it's a lot of juniors and seniors as opposed to you know freshmen and sophomores that you're counting on. All right, we'll wrap it up there. And until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.